Independence in a skill is when you reach this critical mass of information and experience and confidence. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Chief Marketing Officer. Our goal is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. So if you tuned in last week, you know that we started with the four deadly errors of teaching writing this week in our studio. I'm just being silly, but this week we are talking about the four deadly errors of teaching writing, one of your popular conference talks, Andrew. And last week we talked about overcorrecting. And there was a question I forgot to ask you while we were talking about overcorrecting. So there is a school of thought in educational circles whether right or wrong, you know, who knows. But I'd like to know your opinion on the red pen. Should teachers (laughs) use the red pen when they're hopefully not overcorrecting? Listen to last week's episode if you haven't. But what about the red pen versus purple or pink? Well, traditionally, teachers have used red, probably because it is the easiest to see. In contrast to the black that there's... Exactly. I mean, there's there's no doubt Uh that red is clear it it's vibrant to a degree Mm -hmm. and you don't miss things Mm -hmm. whereas if you've got black writing or pencil or even typed a blue pen or purple a black pen or maybe even a purple pen it isn't doesn't stand out quite as much Mm -hmm. and so i think traditionally that's why red has been the stereotyped editor's tool however there is a school of thought that red is kind of too aggressive or violent. Yes, it's, it's an angry color. too much like blood. <laughs> yes. Uh, therefore, teachers should avoid red and use a kinder, gentler color like purple mm-hmm. or green. But I don't really think there's a huge significance here. Mm-hmm. I use red mm-hmm. because it's easier for me to see. Right. <laughs> and I don't think that giving a student a paper with red edits is violent. Mm-hmm. I don't feel bad. Well, sometimes you actually say, and I don't know if you said this last week or not, uh, they're bleeding all over the paper. Maybe that's the right. red, right? Right, yeah. So if you're overcorrecting, don't use red. You know, I think it's <laughs> it's maybe just a matter of personal preference. Mm-hmm. Um, I did tell this to Dr. Webster mm-hmm. one time. Mm-hmm that, you know, teachers in many cases are kind of discouraged discouraged or, or red, actually yeah. pre- prohibited okay. from doing yeah. corrections in red. So if that's you, teacher, and you're not allowed to use red, please don't use red <laughs> because Mr. <laughs> Boudoir does. <laughs> and Webster just, you know, like he does, laughs at all mm-hmm. these mm-hmm. modern crazy views. Right, he's, right. He's 90-some years old. Right. Very, very <laughs> old school in almost every way. <laughs> yes. 
so I, I don't think it is a matter of huge importance. Okay. Well, then let us not spend any more time on it, and let's go <laughs> to the second deadly error, and that would be? Withholding help. Ah, yes. Withholding help. So I think there is a tendency, and, and this may be a little more true uh, for the parent, but I think teachers in schools also mm-hmm. have this idea that you could help the student too much. Mm. If I tell them what word to write, if I answer this question they have, or even going so far as to if I give them ideas for the content, well, that would be helping too much. Mm. Mm -hmm. And consequently, they wouldn't be learning as much as if I don't help them, and then they have to figure it out on their own. On the surface, this seems so obvious. Like, I have a two-year-old granddaughter, and she can talk because her parents are telling her what to say. And if they didn't tell her what to say, she wouldn't be able to talk. So why is it so obvious for a two-year-old and not as obvious for a nine-year-old in a writing situation? Yeah, it, I think it's just it, it kind of is this mentality mm-hmm. that perhaps goes way back to the time when educational systems shifted more into competition. Oh, okay, sure. Um, from individual nurturing and collaboration and talents and, and that mm-hmm. into we put children in a system where we will now uh, segregate them by age. Mm-hmm. We will now grade them against each other mm. in order to theoretically – Uh, motivate everyone to try harder, or at least so we know who's going to be better material for college or or, or for work. Mm -hmm. So so our whole mindset about education shifted probably in the late 18, early 1900s into this uh, kind of compulsion toward competition. Okay. Yeah. And unfortunately, that can motivate some students, Mm -hmm. but it can also be very demotivating to other students. Right. Because if you're being compared with other people and those people are consistently better than you, getting better grades, getting better report cards, mm-hmm. you know, being praised, at a certain point you start to think, well, I'm just not good at this. Right. And right. I probably shouldn't even try because mm-hmm. I'm never going to be that good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it, it moved from being, I'll keep doing the best I can and you can coach me and we're all in a different place here kind of like playing a musical instrument, right? Right. right. Um, to, okay, now there's these age-based standards mm-hmm. um, and a grading system. Right. So now what happens is if you have this world of competition, well, now if you help a little bit, right, or if Sally's mom helps Sally more than Billy's mom helps Billy, well, then you can't fairly compare right. Sally and Billy so we can't get Billy's mom to help Billy more, so we'll have to convince Sally's mom to help Sally less. You know, there's two analogies or two illustrations for exactly what you're talking about. One is, I think they're both somewhat comical, but I think the Science Fair Project, you know, the the cartoonish type where, you know, Billy's walking in with his little volcano and he's very proud and he did this all himself. And then, you know, Johnny walks in and his dad's carrying 
dad's volcano project that, you know, didn't, you know, that's just kind of the obvious. Clearly dad helped, you know, what's fair, who should be getting the award for that. Yeah, it's a difficult thing. But what I have noticed is that actually in terms of, you know, particularly with writing, Mm. you can't help a child too much. Even if you try, you will fail because their whole goal is to grow up and become independent of you. And so hopefully (laughs) at some point, well, you know, at some point the child will say, "Okay, I got it. Leave Mm -hmm. me alone. Now, that may happen at a younger age. It may not happen until they're 24. You don't know. (laughs) But it will eventually happen. And by withholding help, by not answering the questions or giving the suggestions or sharing ideas, we we end up impeding Mm -hmm. development in the skill. Mm -hmm. I had an interesting experience that uh, sticks in my memory. Uh, I was doing a demonstration class. It was at, a, I believe, a charter school in Colorado, if memory serves. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had uh, done some professional development for the teachers. Mm-hmm. And in conjunction with that, I was doing some demonstration classes. So mm-hmm. I'm in the grade two classroom. Mm-hmm. And I've got, you know, eight, nine teachers in the back of the room. Oh, no pressure. <laughs> watching me teach this group of little second graders. Right, right? uh-huh. And so we were using the hare and the tortoise, and I passed out the source text, and we made the keyword outline together, and then we talked it back, and then we brainstormed some LY adverbs and some synonyms for said, and Mm -hmm. I had the board covered with words, and I did the little diagram that I do on now, no erasing. If you want to change something, just line it out and keep going. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Use a little upside down V carrot wedgie thingy. <laughs> um, you know, so Which I'm just, there's a blog post about carrot wedgie thingy. I thingies. saw that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I'm all so I'm all set. Okay, and this is a good school, mm-hmm. right? I mean, mm-hmm. the kids are grade two, so they are doing writing, mm-hmm. and so I felt okay, we're ready. So I said, okay, now everybody start. So at that point, everybody starts, and I am walking around, mm-hmm. kind of looking at the papers, you know, being available. Sure. And I noticed a little boy in the, in the front who is not doing anything. He's just holding his pencil, staring at the blank paper. So I gave him another minute or two, and I came back, and he was still not doing anything, mm-hmm. holding his pencil, staring at the paper. So I said, how's it going? And he said to me, I don't know what to write. Okay. <laughs> okay. Which is fair enough. And probably something that's ingrained in who he is at the ripe old age of seven. Yeah. Right? So <laughs> I said, well, if you look at the keyword outline here, mm-hmm. it says, teasing tortoise slow. Could you make a sentence out of those words? Mm-hmm. He said, no. Okay. I said, okay, could you write this? A hare was teasing a slow tortoise. Could you write that? Mm-hmm. He said, maybe. I said, okay, give it a shot. Mm-hmm. So he starts writing. I go around, help a couple other people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. By the time I get back to him, he wrote the sentence, and he's holding the pencil, staring at the paper, doing nothing. So I said, how's it going? He said, I don't know what to write next. And I said, well, let's check the keyword outline. Annoyed, challenged race. Now, this is a keyword outline that he copied from your From the whiteboard, whiteboard. yeah. We did it together. We talked yep. it through. He's mm-hmm. got it right next to him. Mm-hmm. Right? And, um, and 
I said, could you make a sentence out of annoyed, challenged, and race? Mm-hmm. He said, no. I said, could you write this? The tortoise was annoyed and challenged him to a race. Could mm-hmm. you write that? Maybe. Okay. So he starts writing that sentence exactly the way I dictated it to mm-hmm. him. And I go help a few other people. Now, here's what's so interesting. By the time I got back to him, he had already launched into the third sentence. Mm. It only took a modeling of twice mm-hmm. for him to get the hang of this, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for him to see, oh, keywords go into a sentence. Okay, I can, right. I can talk to myself and hear what I'm saying and write this down. Right. And so, you know, class proceeded on and then it was over. And then we did a little debrief. With the teachers. With the teachers. And, you know, do you have any questions? Did you notice I did this? Anything going on? And one of the teachers said, you know that little boy in the front row? Mm-hmm. I said, I know exactly. She said, you, you told him what to write <laughs> as if this was some great crime. Hmm. And I said to her, yes, I did. Because if I hadn't told him what to write, he wouldn't have written anything. Hmm. And if he doesn't write something... How is he going to learn to do it? Right, exactly. You know, it's, it's kind of common sense. Mm-hmm. But there is this kind of fear that if we help too much, we will be impeding learning mm-hmm. rather than realizing that independence in a skill is when you reach this critical mass mm-hmm. of information and experience and confidence. Mm-hmm. You know, we have this little saying, sink or swim. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. And we say this. Mm-hmm. But it makes no sense at all in the context of teaching right. swimming. Right. I mean, if you were to teach swimming by this method. Did you know I was a swimming teacher? Uh-huh. Yep. And you don't throw children in the pool and say, okay, sink never, or swim. This nev- is your one shot. Never did that. <laughs> no. How, how do we teach swimming? We over-teach it. Mm-hmm. We get mm-hmm. in. You know, we're right there. Okay, mm-hmm. kick. Okay, blow bubbles. Okay, turn your head. Okay, move your arms. Okay, Put all that together, and I am two feet away from you, mm-hmm. and there is no way you're going to fail. Mm-hmm. We overteach swimming specifically because it's a life and death situation. Absolutely. We force children to prove their independence mm-hmm. before we leave them alone in the mm-hmm. pool. So I have found that this really does apply to any skill that you may be teaching, right. is that you really can't help too much. We can mm-hmm. be afraid of helping too much. Mm-hmm thereby withholding help, but that's more likely to impede independence. Mm -hmm. By giving as much help as a student wants or needs, they're more likely to reach independence. Now, there is a nuance to this. Okay. You have to know the difference between helping and meddling. Okay. Right? So helping is when someone communicates either, you know, explicitly or implicitly, I need some help here. I I need you to think of a word for me. I need you to help me make a sentence. I need you to give me an idea. So that little boy in the front row did not have his hand up saying, teacher, help me. No. He just, by his behavior, clearly needed help. Yeah. Okay. Because he wasn't doing anything. (laughs) Right. I mean, if he had, now, when I said, how's it going? If he had said to me, great, I'm just thinking about what I'm going to write, I would have ignored him. Mm -hmm. And it might have taken him a long time. Mm -hmm. But his default was, I don't know what to write. I don't know what to write. Right. And so, but meddling is when you go over and you make suggestions for improvement that you don't really know if a child wanted or needed that, Mm -hmm. right? Oh, wouldn't this be a better word than that one? Mm -hmm. Or, oh, here'd be a great place you could put in this if you, you know. 
I mean, there might be some time when you could make a helpful suggestion,、mm-hmm. but nobody likes meddling. Yes. Right. Yes. And you can tune into that pretty fast.、Mm-hmm. Right. Some children will be very, very honest, and they'll just scowl at you、mm-hmm. or say, "I know what I'm doing,"、mm-hmm. or "Just leave me alone." Okay. Then、right. you're not in a condition of needing or wanting help at the、right. moment. Clearly. Let me know if、mm-hmm. you do need help,、mm-hmm. but otherwise, yeah, you're on your own. So you just have to keep that in mind that that in this willingness to、mm-hmm. help as much as needed, we don't move into the zone of meddling with the student. So my my husband and I have a term for meddling. It depends on if it's mom or dad. Mom smothers. Rhymes with mother, right? Smothering mother or a bothering father. Oh, so if we're doing too much, we could just kind of hint. Ah,、oh, you might be bothering there, Dad. You know. So yeah, that's that's really that's really helpful because I think、uh, back to my own story when my middle school son was not riding up to my standard. I was giving suggestions that were not very helpful to him, and he resented that.、Mm-hmm. So better to wait for him to ask for me the help. But what if they never ask? Well, you know, in the homeschool, it is a little bit tough because、mm-hmm. if you're being the teacher and the coach mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the helper at、mm-hmm. the same time,、mm-hmm. but at a certain point, a student very likely will get some reality、mm-hmm. where they realize、right. they need help. Wow! Enter a lecture on the value of allowing your children to fail. Because if they fail, then they can learn from their mistakes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think most children are very much wired to want to be able to do things independently. Yeah, and then they move into that more mature zone—high school or college、mm-hmm. or, or work environment—where、mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they say, "I really do want to be the best I can possibly be." Right, and then go find someone to to help. Right. But, but if you push that too early, like you have to be the best you can be with no help, right? Then the discouragement can set in. Good. So deadly error number one: overcorrecting. Deadly error number two: withholding help. Any other thoughts on withholding help? Well, you know, it's funny as a parent. Sometimes when they hit that point of "I'm going to do this myself,"、mm-hmm. so for example, one of my children, she. Always liked getting help from me. Okay, she, you know, learned to read and write, and I helped her, and I helped her with math, and I helped her always with writing. She was in classes growing up, and I was so used to helping her, and I liked helping her, and she liked being helped, and so we were very kind of comfortable and close in that way.、Mm-hmm. And uh, we, uh, when she hit fifteen, we got into speech and debate. Okay, competitive speech and debate. And I helped a whole lot、of、that first year, <laughs> and the second year she said,、um, "Dad, I think I want to do a persuasive speech."、Mm-hmm. Went, Great, wonderful. And、uh, what, what do you want to write a persuasive speech on? She goes,、oh, "I don't know."、And、I mustered up some ideas. I said, "Oh, here's a really interesting case. This、um, woman I know in Ohio is actually suing." The state of Ohio claiming that no-fault divorce law is unconstitutional、hmm. because her husband divorcing her under this law and she doesn't want to be divorced and it's, it may go to the Ohio Supreme Court and so I could give you information. She goes, well, that really does sound interesting. So anyway, I 
printed off a bunch of information and gave it to her. And then I left for a trip. Mm-hmm. Came back, you know, four or five days later. And I said, okay, we better start writing that um, persuasive speech. And she said to me, well, Dad, I already wrote it. Oh, nice. And I kind of thought, without me? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I said, well, okay, can I read it? And she probably tuned in to my reaction because uh-huh. as she handed it to me, she said, Dad, I just had to do this one myself. Aww. And I read it. It was not the speech that I was planning for her. Oh, I see. Right? <laughs> Were you bothering a little bit there, Dad? <laughs> uh, I was tempted to meddle. It was very much a different speech, mm-hmm. but uh, it was hers. Mm-hmm. And she she demanded that mm-hmm. independence. Yeah. But it was, you know, after many, many years mm-hmm. of building up that critical mass of confidence and information and practice and and then she actually grew up to become, uh, as, a, as a young younger kid, she would have been my least likely to ever want to do anything really academically challenging person. Yes. And uh, she just got accepted to medical school. <laughs> right. And so um, <laughs> she's like a study machine now and wow. just nice. loves the research and all that and uh, very, very independent and ambitious. So mm-hmm. you never know what you know, where the kids are going to end it's up. It's so true. It's so true. See, at that point, I kind of had to let it go. Okay, you want to do it on your own. I'm here if you need me. You know, there are so many stories that we hear from families, from teachers who have heard this lecture that have started on our pathway to structure and style, and their students are going along and they're helping them out, and they kind of ask that question, when do I stop? When are they going to be able to do this independently? And the answer to the question always comes unexpectedly, not unlike you, where, oh, suddenly I didn't need to help him anymore, and he's really doing a great job, and I, and I can't believe it. It goes yeah. back to that, just trust the system. Just trust the system. Great. Yeah. Okay, next week we are going to be able to tackle deadly error number three, which is... Unclear assignments. Oh, I always forget that one. Okay, unclear assignments next week. We'll talk to you then. All right. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcast. Until then, on behalf of Andrew Pudua and the team at IEW, I thank you for allowing us to partner with you on your journey toward better listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking. <laughs>